Welcome back to Clocks on the Stove, guys. Your host, Grayson Fisher, here with Big Meech. Today's guest, Jack Anderson. A little background on Jack. He was the number 12 right-handed pitcher in Florida on his senior year of 2018, played at Tampa Jesuit. Was 5-2 and two his senior season with 1.26 ERA, 53 strikeouts. Played in the 2016 state championship game. His sophomore year, then he committed to Florida State, went to play on at Florida State. Uh, sophomore year at Florida State in 2020, he was 2-0 with a .79 ERA on 11 innings. Three relief appearances, no runs allowed, nine strikeouts and nine innings. It was also an ACC academic honor rule that year. His next season is redshirt sophomore year in 2021, 23 appearances, 2.47 ERA, 2-0 record, five saves over 40 innings. And against Mercer, he actually had one of the best performances uh, of his college season where he pitched a perfect 6.2 innings. And then this year he just got drafted in 2020 MLB draft to the Detroit Tigers organization. Jack, how are we doing, brother? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, man. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, what built you to get up here. So you started off playing baseball at Jesuit. Was, was Jesuit always like your option? Like you knew that's where you wanted to go? Like that was the direction you were headed? Yeah, I mean, with Jesuit, they just got such a good reputation with, you know, athletics and uh, definitely heard about it, you know, as literally as middle school. And, you know, it's kind of an easy decision. A lot of my buddies went there that I played baseball with and travel ball. And, I mean, it worked out great. Yeah, it looks really good. And, and for people that don't know about Jesuit, it's a high school sports powerhouse, but it's specific, specifically, sorry, baseball. So Jack was uh, coming in there, you know, and that's another thing I want to talk about. When you got to Jesuit, did you, were you ready? And like you were, you were knew that there was expectations for playing for a program like that, you know, knowing that success and winning is 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 what they want. They want required. But, you know, did that change how you view baseball at all at that age of your life? Yeah, it definitely like incorporated a new feeling of competitiveness. I mean, up until then, I was just playing travel ball with my buddies. It was kind of just, you know, fun and. And once you get to Jesuit, everyone wants to make the varsity and wants to, you know, you know, make the next step and try to get exposure to college coaches and stuff. And it kind of just opens a whole new world. And, you know, I, it kind of happens in all sports for that matter. As you get to a higher level of this new, uh, you know, new steps you got to take to try and keep that path going. So, yeah, it was a great, great experience. So in high school, I don't know how they – do it down in Florida, but I went to high school up in Connecticut. And are they, what are the rules about um, like recruiting for private schools and public schools? Because I know down South, they've got a lot of private schools. We've got like prep schools where kids can have like six years of eligibility. Those are big up in the Northeast. But yeah. um, I was just wondering like, were you recruited out of middle school or uh, like, what was that process? Like, so I always like to compare from you know north and south like up here we look at florida baseball like it's on a whole different level and uh mm. like our big sport up here is lacrosse we got you know nationally ranked lacrosse teams but um it's like where you like when did you first start to get you know maybe even touted as a recruit in college was it like your freshman year when did you start how does that process work of getting ranked because i was Sure, I was a negative one star athlete in high school. So, you there, Jack? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry, you cut off for just a second. Um, yeah, so like the scouting aspect of it, I I didn't start getting. I mean, I wasn't like a big prospect 
freshman year, like, you know, some guys were. Um, I, I, I didn't get looked at. It was, you know, still relatively early, but I started to get looked at my sophomore year. And so the rule is they can't, they can't, or you can't reach out to them. They can only reach out to you. And, or no, you can only reach out to them. They can't reach out to you. They oh, have yeah. to either, yeah, they, they have to go through your coach and your coach can relay the message. I don't know, it's kind of complicated, but, yeah. um, but I've been hearing all these stories lately and it's kind of, it's, you know, coming up as a problem, actually. These guys are signing, you know, freshman year of high school, even like eighth graders are committing to schools and, it's just like a big decision for a 14 year old to decide, you know, where you're going to live for the next four years of your life. And, um, yeah, but the, the scouting process is exciting. What were you saying, Mitch? Sorry to cut you off, but that's probably a good problem to have if you're signing at 14. Yeah, you dude. Go anywhere you want. Yeah. yeah, but at the same yeah. time, it's so risky because, like, you're, you're not a fully developed kid yet. Like, when you're 18 versus when you're 14, you're completely different. They're taking a risk. So they have no idea. And at the same time, bro, when I was 14, I didn't know anything about what it was hey, like to was, live without my parents them. or like you know how many guys do college. Like, you don't know. That's so like, that's that's really risky, bro. Like it's cool for the clout. Like, yeah, but like for, for long-term success, it's really risky. I just think uh, I too, like you don't, you don't know, you know, you don't know the coaching staff, like what's going to happen to the coaching staff. You don't know if they're going to make changes. You know, I've heard a lot of stories about, guys being committed to schools and then you know a coach leaves and they they bring in a whole new recruiting class like you're not signing a document it's kind of a verbal verbal agreement there um until obviously signing day which is their senior year and um it's it's kind of just like a mutual agreement which in the grand scheme of things can change so um yeah yeah, so I don't even think that really matters. Like, how many kids that say they commit to a school at 14 actually go to that school? I don't think it's that many. It's so small. It's got to be 1%. Small. Like, yeah. Uh, I think that's just kind of cool. I don't know. Give you some confidence saying I committed to Alabama at 13. There's actually a quarterback in Connecticut that did that. He was known nationally. He was a, one of the best quarterbacks. He, he was from New Canaan, Connecticut. He got an offer from, I think, Oregon. He was 13 and committed there. For baseball like, or, or football? For football. He was some phenom. But, uh, now, Jack, what was it like? Uh, so, obviously, a Jesuit success every single year in, in high school baseball. What was it like to, to pitch in the state semi game and be able to, like, actually be there for the state finals and everything, even though it didn't go the way, you know, you guys hoped? But what was it? Was it still, like, like living a childhood dream kind of? Yeah, I think the best part was just, like, we were we were such a close team, too. Um, I was a sophomore at the time, and I was it was cool to be playing with all, you know, like, called the older guys, all the seniors and the juniors that I became close with. And, um, yeah, it was just it, – it was an amazing experience. All your, your family drives down. You play in a nice, fancy stadium. And, you know, at that age, you, you never really played in an environment like that. You're playing the best guys in the state. And, um, you know, all the competition is top tier. It just kind of puts – you know, puts it in relation how you stack up against the rest of the state of Florida, which is, you know, a powerhouse for baseball. So, yeah, it was a really cool experience. And, you know, I still remember pretty much all of it. Yeah, you were still really young. You balled out that, that semi-game, though. I remember that. You threw a very nice game Thanks. there. Yeah, that was, that was a fun day. When when playing for, like, a Jesuit, right, and you go to FSU, another school that's 
like the same mindset as Jesuit. You know, we're here to win. We're here to put guys in the MLB. Like we're here for titles. Like that's what that's FSU baseball. Do you think that playing at Jesuit and doing everything like at the highest level in high school, like already kind of like on a D1 level, do you think that helped you transition pretty well in Florida State? Oh, definitely. I mean, it was still it was still a big adjustment. Just just like we were playing at a very competitive high school level, and you know that's that's the plan. You go from there to you know Division One. You want to stay at a good level, and um, I mean, Jesuit prepared me a lot, and you know got me ready for the next step. And it, it was still like a pretty you know big adjustment, though. It's just a lot of things you got to take into account at the next level of playing, and a lot of stuff you have to learn and just the speed of the game increases as you get higher up. I mean, it, it definitely, like, at each step, it definitely is a pretty good increase in skill level. Yeah, so we always hear about uh, from, like, every sport, like, the speed of the game. What, what would you say that or something else? And what would you say was the, the number the, – the thing that shocked you the most transitioning? Like, wow, they, this is completely different than high school because of this. I think the hitters in college baseball are – you know, they're a lot more disciplined. Um, you you got to have good off-speed stuff. I mean, in high school, if you throw decently hard, you can kind of get away with just throwing fastballs and, you know, getting it by guys. And in college, you, you got to be a little bit more strategic with it. You know, you can't leave stuff over the middle. They always preach, you know, stay low in the zone or else. And I've seen it. I mean, I've made mistakes before where I've thrown a ball, you know, a couple inches higher than I thought I'd. I wanted it to go and it gets hit over the fence. So it's like, it's definitely an adjustment and you got to be a little bit more nitpicky with it, especially in your training. You got to kind of zero in on what exactly you have to work on. And that was hard for me because like, I think when everyone gets started, they don't like working on stuff they, they're not good at. You know, that's a pretty big trend. And that was something I had to work on is, you know, finding what your weaknesses are and kind of building off of that. So, Jack, correct me if I'm wrong. So I saw you had drafted in 2018, right? In the 36th yeah. round, I just saw. Yeah. So that was did that the MLB changed how the draft is, right? It's not like a bunch of rounds like it used to be, or am I just making that up? Yeah, they they cut it down to half. They cut it down to oh, 20. Oh yeah. So yeah, that's what because my um. So you got in like the year before they changed that, or yeah. So how many there's well, they, what, 20 rounds now? There's there's 20 rounds now. There were 40 when I was in high school. They changed it after COVID. So after the COVID year 2020, it was it was only five rounds because of the shortened season. A lot of guys just wanted to skip it till next year. So they cut that down to five, and then after five, they adjusted it to 20. So they because a, a lot of the teams had the had to cut some of their minor league teams. Yeah, they switched up how the minor leagues are. So my question is, uh, what happens to all those guys that would have gotten drafted from rounds 20 to 40? I know my friend that uh, I played baseball with in high school, he just came out of uh, Long Island, LIU. And um, he, I don't know if he entered the draft or not, but I feel like he would have gotten drafted. But instead, he signed with uh, the Long Island Ducks in the Atlantic League. They have a lot of, uh, like, old MLB players. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. So, like, you know, you are you wouldn't have gotten drafted in, like, let's say the 36th round. So what happens to those guys? Do they sign to other leagues or, you know? Yeah, so 
it definitely got more competitive once they cut it down because it's just like, I mean, just the simplicity of it. There's less picks. And uh, the guys that I guess didn't get drafted, they, you know, they try to sign free agent deals, maybe go try to play indie ball somewhere. Um, but yeah, it definitely created more like pressure, I guess. Um, just like, like they cut it down half. That's, that's a pretty big number. Um, to you know, take that away from a lot of guys. So, I mean, it was infor- unfortunate, but it, it is what it is. So a lot of, like, there's guys trying alternate routes though. Now, when you got to Florida State and you got accustomed and you started feeling your niche and you started, you know, hooping, honestly, you started playing, you know, the same baseball at the same level you were in high school. What, what would you say was one of some – besides the Mercer game, what would you say is, like, one of your, your favorite memories, like, with the crowd or, like, anything? Like, a memory that you were, like, this is why I chose to go to Florida State, like, this this right here. Uh, definitely uh, when I pitched at Florida this year, um, they, they just, you know, redid their stadium and it's – it's incredible, you know. It's it's like a very it's like a high up minor league stadium they have over there, and their their crowd. I mean, they weren't the friend like they weren't the friendliest towards us, but they had this amazing energy that you know creates just you know this surreal feeling. Um, you know, I went into a pretty tough situation, runners on first and second, and uh, I was able to get out of it with two strikeouts, and it was just like that feeling of. You know, you came in, you had a job to do, and you got it done in a pretty stressful situation. And, uh, you know, my dad was there. He was able to see it. And it, that, that, that game meant a lot to me. That's awesome, bro. Now, was, the, was that cool, like, when you got to Florida State? And like, wow, we're, we're playing in sold-out, like, arenas. Like, we're playing, like, people are coming to our games like crazy. Like, we're on TV all the time. Like, was that something that was kind of cool to show game when that started happening? Oh, yeah. I mean, especially freshman year, I mean, the first time you – you see, like, their stadium, like, opening day was sold out my freshman year. And it's just, as an 18-year-old kid, you're like, this is pretty cool feeling. I mean, it changes it, <laughs> it changes the way you play almost because, and it shouldn't, but, you know, when, when you got, you know, five to 7,000 people there, it just, every, you know, it kind of changes how you think about things and uh, the stuff you do. And uh, you just got to focus on, you know, doing what you do in practice. And that's why we repeat things so much because, I mean, I can attest to it. The first time I pitched at Florida State, I like couldn't feel my legs. Like you're just, you're, you're it gets better because you get used to it, but you're kind of working solely off adrenaline at that point. So it's good that the more you repeat things, you know, the more you get used to it. And I found it like I was, you know, a junior this year, technically sophomore because of COVID, but you definitely find that the more games you pitch in, you know, you, they always talk about, you know, veterans and, you know, experience. And I definitely agree with that because the more games you pitch in, the more comfortable you get. I mean, I, I remember like my first time running in from the bullpen. Sorry. No, you're good. You're good. Like the first time running in from the bullpen, the only thing I could think of is like, don't trip, <laughs> like just small stuff like that, that you don't usually think about. So no, yeah, I can attest to that too. When I had my my first fight, I remember everyone like, like they were saying, "You want your cardio to be double what you think it is." Like, if you think you're good enough to go nine minutes, you need to be good enough to go twenty. Like them saying, like you your your go to setup, you need to be hitting a hundred times a day. They're like, when you go out there, you are going to black out. You're not gonna you're not gonna the crowd's gonna be there. All all this stuff, you know, like, you're gonna black out, and it's gonna be muscle memory. 
And that, yeah. my first fight was like, dude, I, I, they told me to go walk out and I didn't want to move. I didn't warm yeah. up. I, didn't stretch. I just stood back there with my gear on and my head, my headphones in the corner, just staring at the wall, like, holy shit. And like, it's what happened. I blacked out. He threw seven leg kicks. I ate all of them. And then I just shot double and moved. You know, but I wasn't even yeah. like thinking. The second time I fought, completely different. I was way more relaxed. I was still at the nerves, but like, it's a healthy, we call it a healthy fear. You don't want to, you don't yeah. want to, you don't want to be nervous in a fight like that. You know, you want that, those nerves keep you alive. Yeah, but those my, say, my cardio that, is better every day. Yeah, sorry to cut you off, but that, like, you know, those emotions, that tenseness, that kind of helps, especially mm -hmm. like at the plate when all eyes are on you or as a pitcher. You know, it's kind of different, like playing football. If you're like, you know, a left guard, you know, no one's really watching you firsthand. Like, like a sport like tennis or baseball or something where you're kind of like it right there. I don't know, or fighting, anything. It's individualized. Yeah, an individual. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Um, yeah, it's a lot different, I think, in my experience. Yeah, see, when I was younger, I used to run away from the fear. You know, like I'd be at a wrestling tournament, I'd be doing a jiu-jitsu tournament. Like, even when I was like competing in MMA when I was like younger, it was like I didn't want the nerves. I didn't want the nerves. They scared me. Like I was terrified of them. I didn't want to compete sometimes for them. But then as I got older, I was like, you know, the nerves are gonna come. But I come, I perform so much better when I'm nervous and when there's pressure on me than when I do in the room. And it's it, it you have to get comfortable with it, get used to it. But like Michael Chandler, always oh, a, a big time UFC fighter, was preaching like once you know how to use that fear and put it in a good way, like you're unstoppable. And I'm, I'm assuming it's the same thing at the plate, man. Like. If you got that, I feel like you're just throwing harder, you're throwing better, you're throwing smarter. Like, I just feel like all of that together. Yeah, I always thought, like, I, I used to, you know, I was the same way what you said. You know, when I first got there, you know, they'd, they'd call your name in the bullpen. You start getting this adrenaline. You get nervous. You start thinking of everything that can go wrong. And I'm sure in your fighting, you can relate to this. Like, you got to really work on when when your name is called or even before that, like, like the night before, like even like the week before the first game of the season, you got to start putting positive thoughts in your head. And it sounds cliche, but like I started to really, you know, acknowledge the the benefit of positive, you know, mental reinforcement. I mean, I always thought like towards the end of my college career, you know, I liked getting that adrenaline because it means it's still important to you. Like if you didn't get nervous before a fight, then why, why are you even fighting? You're not like, yeah. you know, it's not yeah. important to you. So... I like I, I always kind of like the adrenaline towards the end of it. No, oh, yeah, and I, I agree with what everything you said. Like that, the nervousness means you're scared to lose, and I want to feel scared to lose every single time I ever compete in my entire life. That fear of losing is like that. That that nervous, that fear of it is what keeps you alive in there. It keeps you from staying awake. It keeps you, you know, moving. And I like I completely agree with everything you said there. You know, like you you need it. It's good to have sometimes. You know, and like I remember from both my fights, and I still I even did it with wrestling all the time. I would envision my walkout every single night before I went to bed. I'd envision my walkout. I'd envision every scenario we'd get in, and I would always picture myself winning the scenarios. Because Conor McGregor used to say, if, as soon as you get one thought of you losing or getting knocked out or anything, it's already set in the universe. If you never think that ever, it's not happened yet. It's never happened. So, like, I, I would just think of myself getting put in shitty situations like getting taken down or getting my back and then getting out of it and winning. You know, it's so like I felt more comfortable knowing – all right, I know I've seen myself do it every time I can do it when it happens, you know. That's just yeah, goes yeah. down to, like, really the competitiveness that you were talking about as well. Yeah, for sure. So, um, in college or even now, were you a – you said coming out of the bullpen, were you a relief pitcher or did you start games or what was your role? 
Yeah, I started – I think I started three games during my time at FSU. I was, you know, a reliever. This past year I was actually – moved me into, like, a closer role um, just because, you know, I was able to go two or three innings. Um, you know, I wasn't just a one-inning guy. So, you know, they would they would put, in, put me in the seventh and seventh or eighth, and I could, you know, get those last few innings done. But, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed closing. I mean, it, it's, it's definitely like a, a nervous, or, you know, stressful situation, especially in a close game. But, I mean, it goes back to the adrenaline. Like, I love getting the adrenaline and finishing the game and, uh, you know, just kind of closing the door on the other team. Yeah, I feel like we had uh, we had Aiden Swanson, the Jesuit, uh, the punter kicker, with IMG. Now. Yeah. He was at Clemson. He was talking about it, too. He was like, you know, the thing is, people give give kickers shit all the time because, like, oh, you're barely in the game. You barely do that. But, like, the, the other aspect of that is every single time a pitcher or, or a kicker is out to perform, their margin of error has to be zero. Like, one bad pitch, you can lose a game. One bad yeah. pitch, you can lose a game. Like, your entire career can be remembered off of one bad throw or one bad kick. You know, so, like, the margin of error. So, yeah, you might not be out there as much kicking or, you know, you, you only pitch what, one every six games, but your margin of error has to be perfect. So, I feel like at relief pitching has got to be so stressful because, like, your margin of error is even smaller than. Yeah, I got a lot of respect for kickers because, I mean, you see, you know, and I guess, like, people, maybe people that don't play sports or anything they see and they're kind of just cheering for them to make the field goal but you know I always think of it like you know I couldn't imagine what that guy's feeling in front of you know hundreds of thousands of people and it's almost frustrating because you know they've done it thousands of times you know that's that's essentially like that's what they practice for they do it a thousand times but it's not even close to being in that situation and it's completely different and yeah I got like I definitely understand what he was saying about yeah that. I actually I've played kicker in high school and uh played corner too and receiver but dude kicking was fucking scary as balls dude in practice i can make like a 32 yard field goal five probably nine out of ten times realistically a 30 yard field goal and in the game four out of ten maybe Maybe because it's so fucking sketchy when you have 11 guys that are fresh, usually the special teams, all the JV kids and you have your JV kids and those kids are just fresh, ready to go, just jumping at you. And like all it takes is the center to just fuck up a snap or the holder, like anything could go wrong or you to just step on a blade of grass wrong or yeah, that shit's crazy. Oh, but yeah, uh, for sure. Jack, my, uh, my next question for you is I've talked to some guys that have played baseball and gone higher than I have, but um, I kind of pitched, like I threw knuckleballs uh, when I was like 13. That was my only pitching career. My knuckleball was pretty nice, but uh, never really a pitcher. But what I didn't understand when I spoke to my friend who was a D2 pitcher is why some guys can only, you know, go two innings and some guys could throw a complete game. And he's he who is a pitcher for D two. He couldn't even tell me like why some guys can do. I mean, I get it. Like some guys throw harder, and you know they specialize in that. But like, there's guys that get gas after you know two innings. Like Mariano Rivera would never be able to throw three innings. You know, so it's like yeah. I mean, I I I think I'm gonna give you the same answer. I mean, I think it just depends on the person. I mean, I've 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 known guys that 
you know, I, I played with uh, CJ Van Eyck, who pitches for the Blue Jays now, and he used to throw, he was a starter, and he used to throw 100 pitches, and the next day he'd be long tossing. And it's just like some guys just have, you know, the ability to do that. I mean, some guys can throw over 100 pitches and, you know, not be wiped out for a week. Uh, it just, it kind of depends. I don't, I, I've never really believed that it comes down to strength. I think it's just kind of natural. Um, you know, you can, you, you know, having stronger, lower body, having good mechanics, it can all help. But when it, at the end of the day, it comes down to just, you know, your natural ability to do that and your arm to, you know, repair itself that quickly. So, yeah, I don't have a <laughs> truly specific answer for you, but that's yeah, that, just my take on it. Yeah, I think it's uh, – I think maybe it's just guys are more effective in that, you know, setup role or closing role. So that's really what it is. It's and, you know, a genetic. guy like – It's got to be genetic. comes out of strength. My bad. Gotta be genetics too. Like, there's got to be some guys that their shoulders can just do it and some guys that can't. Like I have teammates that practice two times a day, every single day, and they're never injured and they like always feel great. If I did that, my body would be broken. You know, I mm. feel like that's just another thing that's just genetic. Some guys, they have the shoulder, they have the endurance in their muscle, or like their body's fine to recover instantly and some guys can't. I feel like it's one of those things too. Like I feel like some guys can. A lot of guys can, but they just wouldn't be as effective if they're going six innings like – and then there's some guys where it comes down to strength. I really think that that throw 100 – like Roldis Chapman throws 103 miles an hour. There's no way he's keeping that velocity up for more than an inning. Yeah, no way. Yeah, no shot. So that's, I think it definitely – guys like – guys that they, they can build you – know, you can build your arm up. Like that's why in the fall we go on, you know, pretty strict throwing programs. They got an idea of what role you're going to be in. You know, if, if they if they think of you as a potential starter, you know, one week you'll throw one inning in an inner squad. The next week you'll go two innings. You know, they you can build it up and that'll, you know, that'll help with your arm health and, you know, try to prevent injuries. But, you know, some guys just have it. I mean, some guys just have that arm where they can throw till the end of the day and it won't, you know, won't bug in the next day. And, I mean – I, I get pretty sore. I don't think I've been one of those guys because I, I definitely am hurting. I, after the Mercer game, I was, I was out of commission for a few days. But, um, yeah, I think it, some guys just have it. Now, let's, let's talk. We talked a lot about Jeju and about Florida State. Let's talk about the now, man. So, when you, uh, when you got signed to Detroit, you know, you got, you got the call and you, you put the pen on paper. What was that like? Man? What was that, that feeling of, like, you know, the childhood dream? Or, or anything like I don't I don't know I'm not a pro athlete I want I want to know what it was like. I mean it was it not gonna lie it didn't hit me till like a week later. The whole process was uh, you know extremely stressful. I was I was very blessed to have you know my family around me. I had my girlfriend come down and she was a part of the whole she was a part of the whole you know process that and it definitely helped to have you know a team in your corner because I mean just so much changes throughout those three days. I mean, you, you can try to have an idea about it. You know, I was having zoom calls with a number of teams a few weeks prior. And uh, it, it's just like, after it was over, it was kind of like a relief that something was actually set in stone just because of how many things are moving around, you know, your agents calling you and you got, you know, guys calling in and you got to, 
you know, it's almost like an interview. You know, you have an interview with a scout. They want to know about you. And, um, you know, it, 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 definitely, it was an amazing process. So, I mean, I, I'll definitely remember it for the rest of my life. Now, was Detroit on the top of your radar? Or you were just ready to go no matter who picked up the phone? Yeah, I mean, you can't really be picky about it. Like, I, whoever called me, I was, you know, I was taking it. I mean, it, like, I had a, I had a Zoom call with the, the Tigers about a week before the draft. Um, but, you know, there's, there's a few teams that, you know, had given a little bit more attention. So it wasn't fully expected. And, and there, there was actually wasn't a single team that I was like, yeah, this is going to be the one. Um, you're kind of just – all I tell you is, you know, for three days, keep keep your phone on you. Well, realistically, too, because the first day is only the first round. But, you know, for two days, just keep your phone on you. You might get a call. You know, I was, I was, I was trying to shower, and I had my phone on the counter, and I was, like, washing my hair, you know, peeking outside the curtain because, you know, it's just like someone can call you right when you put your phone down. You missed that call. So. That's crazy, man. So – now that you're a professional athlete, that's got to sound pretty, pretty freaking cool to tell people. What, what's it like knowing you're going to be in a video game, man? What's that like? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, hopefully, they don't make my beard too ginger. <laughs> hopefully, they don't exaggerate that. Yeah. So, where are you at right now? Are, did they assign you to double A, single A, triple A? Where no, I'm in, I'm in Lakeland. So, pretty much all the draft guys go to short season. So, um, it's kind of just an introduction. All the pitchers get put on a, a throwing program that's pretty straightforward. Um, the hitters will start to move around as time progresses, uh, just between you know low A and high A. Um, yeah. But yeah, till till like mid September, we're we're here, and then you know a few guys will stay till October, um, just for you know further instructs and stuff like that. But I mean, this is all pretty much just an introduction i think you know from what i've been told that the, you know that it actually starts at spring training next year um which is nice because it, it's a good transition i mean the first day i the first day i came it was like a 14 hour day you know you're getting physicals you're signing the contract you're meeting everyone you're you're meeting the draft guy that you're going to be playing with and it it was a long day and then it kind of calmed down after that and it, it's a good transition because they don't just start sending you everywhere to, you know, start pitching and, you know, possibly get hurt because you haven't, you haven't been throwing that much. But yeah, it's been great just to be on like a set throwing program. Now, so did you get to meet any of the other, like the MLB guys yet in Detroit? Um, a, a handful of them are. Uh, actually, I'm not too sure if I can say who's down there. No, yeah, but but yeah, I mean, it's 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 yeah, it's cool though because you know there's there's guys that you know are rehabbing and you know you start to you know you everyone I pass I don't know I just kind of introduce myself and yeah you're starting to you know you're starting to meet more important people and it's definitely a cool experience. Now you've been so one thing I have written down is Spence Turnbull pitching the no hitter for Detroit this year. Um, so are there guys like him and who are some other guys on your side that pick their brains a little bit, you know, like playing with the guys that you played with in the video games growing up or watched growing up? Like who are some guys that in your organization you're excited to, you know, pick their brain a little or, or learn from? Um, I mean, 
I wouldn't say there's a specific person individually. I'm just excited. You know, I, I'm going in as, you know, kind of a sponge. I want to take in as much as, as much of this like professional coaching that I can get. I mean, you, you know, I, I met my pitching coach uh, for, you know, low A and, you know, we just talking to him for 30 minutes, I, I learned a few new things and um, it's just like a great environment for, you know, a guy that loves to pitch because, the whole premise of this experience is improving. Like everyone's here for the same reason to look the, you know, to improve their game and, you know, work up the ranks. And I mean, it's, it's definitely like a, you know, a long road. It's not, you know, when I sign, when you sign, you don't just go to Detroit. It's, you know, it's a process. It takes a couple of years and it just shows like how, how, uh, you know, fine tuned the guys in the big leagues are, you know, it, it just takes, so much practice and uh, just progression. Is Miguel Cabrera still in the Tigers? I think he is. Yeah, he is. Yeah. I think he's been killing it lately. Like 38 or 39, 40 maybe. Yeah. Now, is there anyone that you're most excited to play against, like MLB-wise, that you're looking forward to hopefully one day pitching against? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I think it'd be – you know, incredible to pitch in Yankee Stadium or something and play those guys. And um, it's just crazy because, you know, there's a chance that, you know, you see all these guys on ESPN and Twitter and and it's crazy to think like, well, you could be facing them in, you know, a number of years and, you know, if everything goes right. And so it's a, it's a definitely a cool feeling just because, you, you know, you've been looking up to these guys your whole life, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's gonna be pretty surreal. Talking a bunch of shit before my first start, I'd be like, "Yo, Stanton, <laughs> I'm coming in with heat." Yeah, uh, I'm. I, I've never played. I never played baseball, but like for I, I when I went to Kerwood Day School, it's mad tight with the whole baseball team there. But a friends with a bunch of you guys, Jesuit. My dad was a baseball player, Jesuit, and walked on at Florida State. But um, I feel like. I'm assuming when you go from high school to college to pros, like, is there more of a stress, you know, like when you pitch the Jesuit out of a nine kid lineup, like there's maybe two tanks and you go to college and it's like, all right, there's probably like six or seven. And now you're in the pro, like every single guy is that's home run power. You know, that that's definitely, yeah. I mean, even like even in college, like we, when we played teams, you know, I, there, there was obviously there'd be like a, a small gap in their lineup, but, I mean that you you definitely like that was one of the big changes I saw going to Florida State was that you couldn't really like you you get the four hole out and then you're like oh thank God you you can't let up after that you know you get to the bottom of the order and the last thing you can do is kind of you know take your foot off the the gas because everyone everyone at that level was the guy in high school too you know like you go from being the guy in high school and then you go to a place and everyone else is that guy so it's just it's just a transition because then, you know, I haven't pitched yet officially in, you know, pro ball, but I'm a, you know, just from what I've seen and what I've heard, I mean, the guys up here are legit. That's their living, you know, they, they're here for a reason. So I'm looking forward to, you know, playing against, you know, these, you know, the guys around me. Now, do you know, do you have a Jersey number or anything yet? Like when, when can I cop that? Do we know that? Any details yet? Sure. No, we haven't actually gotten jerseys yet because, uh, I mean, we've gotten some, you know, team apparel, obviously, that we have to, you know, do our workouts in. But, I mean, it, 
games haven't really started for pitchers yet because we're still, you know, introduct like introducing throwing program regimens and stuff like that. I know uh, the hitters are already getting jerseys because they're playing games, but yeah, I don't know what my number is yet, so that'll be interesting. What's your What's your go to if you can get a number? I mean, I was forty in uh, Florida State, and I, I that number grew on me. I'd, I'd be pretty happy with forty. It's, yeah, uh, I feel like don't you want to be I was like, always four. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like single digit makes you look bigger. Yeah, if you're like a relief pitcher, they usually have higher numbers. I'd be sixty nine for sure. It's a perfect like. Yeah. Like, expect- this guy's fucked in the head. Just come out there. I'm like half expecting. And- I'm half expecting walking into my locker room and seeing like 89 or something. <laughs> 98 would be kind of high. Right? I feel like 98 or like an X. Yeah. Just an X. That'd be kind of sick. Yeah. Double zero. Like double zero. Double zero. Double zero in, in baseball, right? Yeah. Marcus Stroman. Uh, yeah. They- zero. That'd be tough. That would be tough. That's Double a zero. What do you what do you say? Uh, what what are you topping out at right now, Jack? Or like, what is like you usually topping out at? Uh, I mean, during the season, I kind of sat around ninety one, ninety four ish. I I was not like I don't fit a usual closer role. Like I I don't throw hundred miles an hour. We had a guy uh, at Florida State throwing like ninety eight, and I was <laughs> I was kind of <laughs> trying to catch up to him. But um, yeah, I mean, I kind of focused on command and you know off-speed pitches and that's what works for me dude that's just not a guy kind of scary and 98 mile per hour fastball going straight past your dome oh i that's that's part of the reasons why i sucked at hitting i never wanted to get hit by it yeah but that's i've I've only seen the batting cages go up to 90 and i've seen that i would never even step in the cage (laughs) 90 is insane not 100 bro i that's i got we were playing at NC State, and I got hit by a comebacker at my hand. And it, it felt like I, I, I didn't even have time to react, honestly. And, you know, I, I had to go get an x-ray. And the, the guy, the, the doctor that was doing my x-ray was like, oh, we just got the stats back. It was uh, 101 off the bat. And I was like, that just, like, I, I couldn't even imagine trying to hit that because I couldn't even see it. I, I couldn't even react to it. Uh, so I would be up there like, shaping in the play like trying to get a bunt maybe like oh man that's yeah. so dude the one reason i never played baseball was when i was really add and i needed contact with my sports which is why mma was beautiful for me at such a young age because you never played baseball ever oh, yeah. never. i was too add bro and like i wanted contact like i was an aggressive fucking kid man i even so MMA was perfect but anyways um I, we had oh, a baseball baseball is definitely like sorry what no 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 yeah uh, we we had a family friend that was really highly recruited in, in baseball. I played for Jefferson when I was like way little, like seven or eight. And he was, he swung, he was like committed to South Carolina, I think. Like he was, he was really good. And he swung. And when he swung, it, it back rolled off the top and hit him in, right here and broke all of his face. Broke everything right there. He dropped to the ground screaming. Like I remember them saying it took like 11 shots to get him to stop screaming and crying. Like, he had to go through all these surgeries. He had to go to physical therapy to learn how to, like, see out of that eye again. Like, I never, dude, after that, I was like, I've never played baseball my entire life. <laughs> no way. No way. Yeah. I was, I mean, I was going to go back to your point. Like, when you're young, like, I don't blame kids when they, when they say, oh, like, baseball is not the, you know, most entertaining sport when you're in T-ball and Little League. 
because I was the same way. I was, you know, I was a very hyper kid. And there were times when, you know, when you're at a low level, you know, little league, it just gets slow. Like, you know, kids can't throw strikes and, you know, it's understandable. They're just starting to play. But I mean, you know, uh, I was training the other day in Tampa and, you know, one of the dads asked him, you know, what's some advice you'd give to my boy. And I was like, just get him. Once he gets past little league and travel ball, like it gets so much better. Like it gets so much faster and like more entertaining as you get higher up. Once you get past that point, like if you still love it, then you're doing something right because it takes a lot. When I got to high school is when I really started regretting not playing baseball. Cause I really, I'm, as I'm like, you said, I matured. And I was like, dude, it's such a beautiful sport. Like the mental aspect of pitching is insane. Like, like I, I, I wish I could have played growing up just because I, I wanted to play in high school, man. And surrounded by like you guys and then surrounded by CBS and two stops. When I was there, both top teams in the state in their divisions, like, and it was just so crazy mm-hmm. watching them pitch and like, like you getting someone bases loaded with no outs and striking two guys out and getting a freaking, you know, easy out in third, you know, stuff like that. It's like, I, I respected it so much. I realized how like stressful and mental and it's so mental. It's such a mental game. And that's something I, I see a lot of wrestling and MMA. And that's why I like related to pitching specifically. Cause like, it's all on you and every move matters, you know? And like, you got to keep your cool. You got to keep a poker face out there. You know, you can't be letting them yeah. know you're getting mad. You're not feeling a pitch or something. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I mean, it, you know, baseball is great because there's so many, there's so many things going on that, you know, fans don't really see like when you're playing it and you know it's at a high level there's always there's always stuff you can learn there's always stuff you you know you can work on there's there's things going on behind the scenes plays you know strategies and it's it's definitely like a great sport in that you know in that way for sure so i don't know if you heard about this kid's name uh i'm gonna pronounce it incorrectly but it's gerangelo clintique Mm-hmm. I don't even I, I'm not familiar with him. So you definitely. He, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he, he's in high school, and he can throw plus 90 with both hands. Oh, oh I think I've heard about this. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, he, what? yeah, he's not going to college, I don't think. No uh, I would not expect him to sniff No campus. way. Yeah, now, do you think – so obviously, I don't know baseball. That's enough, the kid from the Dominican who was too poor. So he was actually a lefty, but he could only find a righty glove and just started throwing righty his whole life. Yeah. Really a lefty. So that's going to help his stock, right? Those guys, they have like six holes in them. So they just flip them around. And I think there's a rule in the MLB where, like, once you commit to a batter or an inning or something out, you have to stay with that hand. Like, you can't just. Righty and then lefty. Um, yeah, I. You gotta like. I. I think you gotta. You gotta. You know, announce that you're gonna be pitching from the right arm, and you can't. You obviously can't just switch mid hitter. Um, but I think it's. I, I, I'm, I'm like 99 percent sure it's just one hitter. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is just one hitter. Now that I think about it. Yeah, because what? Yeah. Realistically, though, if that kid makes it like far, is he gonna still throw with two arms, or he's gonna have to just establish one? Oh, I'm sure. I mean, if, if he's throwing 90 plus from both arms, like they're going to utilize that. Cause I mean, cause I, I remember talking about him to someone else and 
the first thing that came to my mind was like this kid can just pitch complete games pretty yeah. easily yeah. because uh you know, goes five innings from the right side and four innings from the left side. It's, you know, that's not a huge workload. And at first I was like, nah, like she's going to, but that makes the most sense to me. That's what I would do. So I think teams would definitely utilize that. Um, like, from what it's, yeah, I, dude, it makes him a mismatch for every batter he ever goes against. So he's a mismatch. Yeah. And I mean, it, it you can, you know, for right handed hitters, just, throw on the right side for lefties throw on the left side if that's you know what he's gonna do so yeah um, now do you think uh with the like the evolution of the sport and stuff so this kid obviously is very unique right and i feel like uh at least in in, in football football mma what i think i find the best you know and, and you're starting to find guys trying to make themselves more unique do you think that that's something you see a lot of baseball too like like people are trying yeah like Shawnee or Tony, all those guys like you think that uniqueness is something people try to do now to stand out more? Oh, for sure. I mean, they, I, I think, I mean, like guys are getting better each year. And, you know, I feel like every day on Twitter I'm seeing, you know, showcases for 16-year-olds that they're throwing 95. And it's like, um, like, I, I don't think the, the ceiling, I, I don't think the ceiling can physically rise because, you know, like the human body can only throw the ball so hard. I think that, you know, it's been, it's been pretty established that there's guys throwing like, you know, 104, 105. And that's, you know, that's about as high as I think, but the, the floor is definitely getting higher. You know, there's less guys throwing in the high eighties and it's just, you know, everything's kind of changing. Now, what would you say is the, the one thing about yourself that makes you unique? Like, what would you say is the thing that, like, the organization could be most excited about by having you? Um, I, like, I, I take pride in not walking guys, personally. You know, there's – you know, I've, I've seen a lot of pitchers that struggle with command, and it, it really – it's like the higher up you go, the, the more, you know, inconvenient walks are. You know, if you're, you know, in the, as the game progresses and, you know, I've just taken pride in, you know, not walking guys and hitting my spots because, you know, like I said, I don't throw 100 miles an hour. I can't just throw it right down the middle and, you know, blow it by guys. I've had to rely on. And even when I was in high school, I wasn't throwing, you know, pretty hard for my age. I was just always relying on command and working both sides of the play and having good off speed. And, um, like, I think, you know, that's, that's what I think of myself is one of my strengths is that I can, you know, I have a good, you know, good zone. So I, know professional, uh, I know professional pitchers are like insanely accurate. So let's say there's like a target, like smaller than the size of a dunk tank target. And you were pitching from the mound and there was no batter. How many times do you think you could hit that target? in a row with a fastball? <laughs> uh, it depends on the day. I mean, if uh, it depends on what we're wagering, how important the deal is. Uh, I mean, I think I could probably hit it a good amount of times in a row. It's just, um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be down for that type of competition. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Like, to find the most accurate pitcher, you know how they do uh, in the – 
NFL Pro Bowl, they'll do like the drills before yeah. they should do a skills contest. Like that's the stuff the MLB has to do. So people aren't calling baseball boring, you know? Yeah. Putting that little uh, that little uh, field in England and just letting the, t- the Yankees and Red Sox just tee off. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're, they're definitely incorporating like different things just to, you know, kind of bring more attention to it and stuff like that. Now, how much? How I know you. I know you're. Uh, you're a pitcher. You're not a. Uh, you don't. You don't hit. But how much different is it with the wood bat and the what's the what's the other one? Titanium. Like aluminum. Aluminum. Yeah. What, what What is the difference? Like how much bigger? Like is that actually play that big of a difference? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I think so. I you know some, there were there were guys in college. Um, you know there was a kid on our team, Elijah Cabell, who had probably the most raw power I've ever seen in someone. And he was hitting balls like 118 miles an hour off the bat. And with with these, you know, metal bats and you're 60 feet away from them, there's always kind of like, yeah. you know, you never you never want to think about it because the more you think about it, the worse things will probably be. Um, but I, I, I can definitely see a difference in, you know, wood bats and, you know, these, these you know, high-tech bats all the top colleges get. And, um, I mean, that's why all these, Shallow ball tournaments do wood bat tournaments just to you know make it more realistic, I guess. So yeah, yeah. Give Aaron Judge a metal bat. <laughs> you probably uh, hit him six hundred and fifty feet, no problem. I want to go with I want to go within like three hundred feet of that. You know, standing on the sideline, even when you that. hear it, like when you hear the videos, it's like a nuke. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean. They, there's been a lot of times where balls go past you and you're like, if that, if that would have gone in my direction, I would not have had time to react. Yeah. So. I have absolutely no idea why they have metal bats in college baseball. There's no reason. That's cool. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I'm not sure if it's because of, you know, cost. I mean, it would cost a lot of money because you break, you know, during the season you can break a bat, you know, once every, once every week. So I don't know if it's because of that or – Maybe they just don't want to change anything. Can I yeah, tell you? Metal bats are pretty expensive, and wood bats, you know, I mean, it would be, I think it would be roughly the same. You don't know? think it could be it for entertainment aspect? Like, you know, keep it, it's a little more electric if there's nukes in college? Uh, actually, that's a good point. That's, I mean, that, that's why they're, they're making adjustments in the, you know, the big leagues. They, you know, fans want to see more home runs, farther hit balls, and, um, just something pitchers kind of have to adjust to. Dude, but there's just something about watching like a two high level pitchers in a shootout duel that I think is so much fun to watch. Like if you just watch like a like a, like a postseason right, game, dude. No, but seriously, if it's like a postseason game, like a game seven or something, and the two pitchers are just everything they're throwing is just no one's hitting it, and then that one comes, bro. It's pretty. It's like it's like a yeah, respect yeah. sport. That's cool in the postseason for sure. No, not not regular season. Yeah, regular season on one day. But no one wants to go to like a Brewers Cardinals game, and they're both like last place, and watch a couple pitchers duel. You want to see like a fifteen to twelve game where these guys are just getting teed off on. I don't know. At least for me, I, I love watching the college series. Was that was that really cool to play into and like be there? Yeah, I mean that. Like, I mean, I didn't play in it, but <laughs> being there was that—that uh, was pretty incredible. I mean, just 
just kind of seeing it from the dugout and they, and they do a great job. They do like a, like a welcome ceremony where all the teams and when they told about it, I was like, not a lot of people are probably going to come to this. You know, it's a stadium that fits, I think, 27,000 people. It's in Nebraska. And um, Omaha, Nebraska. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, Omaha. And, um, you know, all the teams walk out and and there's sports, there's loud music. And we walked out and there was like 20,000 people. And I was like incredible just standing there in front of all of them. And, you know, guys, you know, getting awards. And, and then, you know, you start playing and it, it doesn't matter if, you know, the pitcher throws a strike or something in a big count and the whole stadium just goes crazy you know people love baseball there and uh from what i understand it you know the whole town kind of week um you know they you know all the all the locals kind of pick teams that they want to root for and they just go all in on it that is so awesome bro yeah i love cool. watching it yeah it's it's definitely exciting oh you know what else is really they do a great job over there is uh what's really fun to watch is uh College World Series softball. Oh yeah, it is so oh, it fast. Crazy. It's so fast paced. Yeah, it, it is so much fun to watch. So much fun. Alabama yeah. always has a pitcher girl who's like six foot six and would just eat you for breakfast with her thunder thighs. Well, Florida State was supposed this year, bro. They lost the best of three to uh to Oklahoma. But Oklahoma was just gross. That team was so stacked. Those girls yeah, are slammers. What I don't understand is why would they make a bigger ball for girls that can't hit as far and use the smaller ball for guys? That it's never to hit, hits. bro. There's more, there's more to hit. Like, their range is – You ever tried to hit a 60-mile-an-hour freaking – whatever they call those pitches, slider, slide zingers or something weird? Is it the direction, the direction of smarter, right? Because it comes up you and drops. An Alabama back. pitcher would strike you out 100 out of 100 times. Yeah, I know that. But I'm saying – my dad always used to say that it, the direction of it's harder to hit because it's rising versus the baseball drops in and you can get under it. Yeah, they, they throw drop balls too. I forget what they're called. They got, they got they rise like, balls and they get But dude, the good thing about that too is underhand's a natural motion. So that girl can pitch every single day. Yeah. Yeah, that's I mean, they, they don't get I mean, I don't know this for sure, but I, I don't really hear about softball pitchers getting arm injuries. No, because under is natural. This is natural. What's bad about overhand is your shoulder is not supposed to move like this. That's why yeah. quarterbacks everything here. Not like even with wrestling, like people get messed up shoulders from overextending on shots. Like you're not supposed to have your. This is not supposed to be like a motion for your body. Yeah, well, tennis players, you know, getting tennis elbow. That's a big yeah. problem. But I, yeah. I, I, I didn't know about yeah. that. Yeah. Tendonitis. Tendonitis sucks. I got in like eighth grade wrestling with my left elbow. Oh yeah, like. You know, I've had a number of things, but oh, I can only imagine. Yeah, I can only imagine. Do you think but, hey, Jack, man, thanks. Serena oh, Williams you played her twenty hundred times in tennis. You think you score a point? One point? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I don't no think shot. so. No chance. But hey, Jack, real man, thanks for coming on. Thanks for taking some of your time out. Uh, we really appreciate it. Let us know, like everything, like where we can watch it when you play, like if we do your merch, like anything, bro, let us know, please. Yeah, of course. I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks, man. Appreciate your time. Good luck.